No playing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to D20 Dudes, a tabletop role-playing podcast where the die decides our topic. I am Dylan. I'm Jenny. I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know what that's supposed to be. Hi, Dan. I'm your dad, Dylan. I'm your dad. Hey, it's me, your dad. My name, your dad. It's like a name tag you wear at a convention. Dad, comma, your. Dad.com slash org. <laughs> Geocities. Slash com. Any, any whim, whim, waz, wham, wazzle. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a game called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. That's the real name? That's, That's the, the actual name. name. That's the scientific terminology? Yeah. Yes. Medically accepted. Alright. Yeah, thirsty <laughs> sword lesbians is this. This game. has nothing to do with penis. I mean it can. Because no, lesbians probably wouldn't be thirsty. Well, then again, they have toys. Let's not get into it. Okay. So first and foremost, uh, this game. Uh, I have heard it described as rainbow friendly, which is a lot easier for me to say than LGBTQ plus because I have idiot mouth and struggle to say words in order. Yes, it's PS plus friendly. Sure. But on that note, I am not gay nor trans nor any of that. I don't believe either of my cohorts are either. Unless they're nope. hiding something from me. Uh, by curious. So she's very curious yeah. about bicycles. So, yeah, she is. Um, I don't really know or care what I am. I don't care about any of it. I think it's all just, it's identity. It's whoever you are, want to be, and why are there so many stupid labels? Because well, labels describe things and help people understand. It's the purpose of Some it. people need the quantification. Some people need it boiled down. You know, it's, everybody has to reach their own peach. But, that being said, <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat. <clears> throat> oh my god. <clears> throat> throat's being so cleared. <clears throat> like that? Yeah. But, um, that being said, so, that's, that's like a very heavy theme in this game, is those kind of like different sexualities and gender identities and stuff like that. So, and, since we are, I have some, I have some gay friends. I have some trans friends. You know, I know people. I, I am adjacent to the community, but I myself am not a part of it. So chances are I'm going to fuck something up. So if I do, sorry. Correct yeah. me. Oops. I mean, Preemptive no, oops. Okay. You're, on, you're out on the internet. You won't just get corrected. You'll get slaughtered. I honestly Good hope word. so, because that'll be the most engagement this podcast has ever got. <laughs> <laughs> Any press is good press. But um, this game, uh, starting off, it is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, which, um, if you don't know what that is, well, I kind of don't either, because this is my first Powered by the Apocalypse game. But it's, It just makes uh, me think of Darksiders. Darksiders is so fun. It is. It's also Powered by the Apocalypse. Except the third one. The third one's not great. It's gotten some flack, deservedly, but you gotta really give it a chance and dig into it. It's, oh man. 
I'm not going to start that's, on this. That's road. not what this podcast is about <laughs> this not, time. It's like a Souls-like <laughs> kind of game, but yeah, let's move. Yeah. Um. So, powered. The the base, kind of the core of the powered by the apocalypse thing, is that you will roll a. I think it's two d sixes. Hold on. Let me find out. Yeah. So. The, the core mechanic is anytime you want to do something, you will make a move. There's a set of moves you can do in the game. Um, anytime you make a move, you roll two d6s. If you roll a six or lower, I believe. But let me just have this open to this page so I'm not just talking out of my ass. Yeah, so six or lower, there is a complication. Seven through nine, it's kind of like a mixed success. And ten plus, you did it. Good job. Okay. And that, that's generally the way everything goes. And the way that it does these things is there is never a nothing happens scenario. Even if you roll piss poor, something is going to happen due to that roll that advances the plot. There will be moves that the GM can take, but this is one of those games, kind of like Blades in the Dark, where the GM never rolls dice. Ooh. I will not touch a die. The entire time I'm GMing this game, I say that like I'm I'm always the GM. <laughs> I know it's gonna be me eventually. Oh, um, you can be player too. Um, sometimes, uh, you can get things like uh, a plus one forward or like something like that. Like s- somebody can do like an aid an action kind of thing, uh, and it and that will mean whatever result you get, you add plus one to it. And sometimes an action you will take, it will be like plus attribute. It would be you add your attribute rating to the roll as well. Um, I think like the highest you can get in this game is like a plus four though. So like you're never like guaranteed successes. Um, so the general way this is going to go is on a ten plus, you will it's called an upbeat, and you will generally achieve what they set out to do in a particularly effective way. Uh, there will never really be a serious complication of this, and this will usually set up like a useful opportunity or like grant plus one forward to somebody else. Something like like something really good happens on a ten plus. You did good. On a seven to nine is a mixed beat. Um, you will generally accomplish what you set out to do, but there will be a cost or a complication to it. Um, in other powered by the apocalypse games where you have like wounds, you would take a wound here usually or something like that. Um, there aren't wounds as such in thirsty sword lesbians uh but there are ways to kind of take damage quote unquote and on a six or lower you get a downbeat where something complicates things that's going on um and it's called making a gm move to do this and it doesn't mean that you outright failed at the task it's not like ooh, you didn't do the thing it could be you did it but it's at great cost or while you were attempting to do it something horrible comes up that kind of thing. It's it's all very narrative forward. And the final thing for a six or lower, whenever you get a downbeat, is you will mark an experience point. So failure is what makes you grow in the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Oh, that's fascinating. I actually really like that. As a player who is absolutely terrified of failure, this would definitely help me get over that terror. It could be the ultimate Saiyan. You, you can fail your way upwards. Exactly, like Vegeta! <laughs> Take that, Prince of All Saiyans. All three <laughs> of them left. Loser. Low blow. Now, 
as the name Thirsty Sword Lesbians may imply, sexuality is kind of a theme in this one. Hentai. Uh, kind of. So this game very much, it, it puts a lot of focus on kind of uh, like people of uncommon sexualities, um, gender identities, that kind of thing. Uh, but it also does it in a very um, either sexual or romantic light. And I've seen online some people are uncomfortable with that. And while that's fine, if sexuality makes you uncomfortable, you know, that's you are perfectly allowed to feel that way. It's not an invalid thing. But my only question is, if you're not really comfortable playing a game that focuses on sexuality, why did you pick up one called Thirsty Sword Lesbians? That's a very, very good question. <laughs> Especially if there is a clear um, definition of what direction the games tend to go in for this title. Like, uh, like just the title alone, like Thirsty yeah, Sword there, Lesbians. There should be some flags applied. raised there. <laughs> should be. This is not a game. That mothers should buy their twelve-year-old sons. Yeah, this is hentai Bancho Zero. It's it's not like <laughs> overt sexuality in the way things go. Like, um, there there there's some like flirting is a major mechanic, and like kissing is a major mechanic. Like, there's actual mechanical differences to things that happens whenever like you flirt with somebody or when you kiss or things like that happen. Um, but I will note that one of the first things that this game, this system, tries to do is say, hey, this system, for everyone at the table, this game is meant to be a safe space. So you would either, like, as a group discuss, or if there are people, like, having things that they're uncomfortable talking about, especially they don't want to say it out in the open, like, submit cards or whatever. But one of the first things it wants you to do is talk about things as a group that are just, do not go there. Do not cross this line. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Full stop, we don't discuss this. Um, and then it'll take it a step down and say, these are some things that, like, they can be present in the game, but I don't necessarily want to face them full on. Like, if something, like, you're uncomfortable with it to a degree, but, like, you can kind of, like, accept it being part of the game world and you would, like, write that in. Um, but if something's, like, completely unacceptable to you, like, you can have, like, this is full stop, this is not included in the game, this is what we don't do. Uh, and is always trying to make it into, like, a safe space. So um, one of the things it suggests is there be, like, an X card or, like, a gesture you make where if something comes up that makes somebody uncomfortable, because, of course, even if you do discuss things that make you uncomfortable and lines you don't want to cross before the game starts, you're not going to think of every little thing. Like, not every single trauma you've ever experienced is not going to rush to your head whenever you're thinking about sitting down playing tabletop with your buds. So. Right. I mean, if something not comes that up, couldn't. Not that it couldn't, but like it's not likely to. So if something comes up and you're very uncomfortable with it, you either, like you'll you'll exit. You'll either touch the X card or you'll make a gesture, or something like that. It's like, nope, this is not okay. You put a stop to it right there. Rewind. That thing never happened. If people need to take a minute to collect themselves, you do that. Um, if they if you <laughs> want to discuss it, you discuss it. If they don't want to discuss it, you just move on. But. Once somebody plays that X card, you're done. That's that that thing didn't happen. You go back, you change it. It's different now. I like that. Um, it it's something that 
should, uh, in quotes, I'll say, be in more games. Like, of course, up to the GM or whatever, but it should be an option for people. And it, this it is makes them more comfortable. Yeah. And, and this is a lot of this. This concept I'm seeing like coming up. It's it's in a lot more um, systems I'm seeing lately. Like it it comes up in Vasin, I think. Uh, it's definitely co- covers all these concepts in the newer editions of Vampire the Masquerade and stuff like that. So these these are concepts that are kind of like making the rounds and like really making their way into the system, um, like into the mainstream of how tabletop role playing is going down, which I think is cool. It's something I usually try and do, especially if it's a group I don't play with a whole lot. Like with you guys, we understand we're going to be fucking idiots. That's just kind of what we do. We're stupid for a living, pretty much. Absolutely. With my Sunday group, my local people I play with, like, yeah, we're going to be dumb as hell and we're going to talk a lot of stupid shit. And if something comes up, we can just be like, ah, maybe not that. And then we'll be like, all right, and we move on. But especially if it's a group, like maybe you don't necessarily know everybody or you don't know them very well. These are things that are, you should definitely touch base on this kind of stuff to make sure that like you have a good time at the table because like ultimately the goal for any tabletop role-playing game is to have a good time. And if you have a good time, you make lifelong friends playing shit like this. That's you. That's what you want to do. You want to you want to be friends with everyone at the table, and you want to have a good time telling stories. Exactly. So these are very interesting like concepts to like. I, I really like that these kind of things are making the rounds. Very good. Very very good. Okay. So I talked about conditions and stats and things like that. So you have five basic stats. These are kind of the attributes that your characters possess um, and what they mean. So daring is your skill at arms and forcefulness, both in terms of muscle and personality. So the more daring you are, maybe you're more muscle bound, or maybe you're just a very forceful personality and people don't like to say no to you. Grace is your elegance, poise, and agility. Heart is your emotional awareness and expression. Wit is your cleverness and knowledge. And spirit is your metaphysical power and integrity. I like this so far. Shamanic out-of-body experiences. Every single character has only these five stats. The conditions. These are kind of what equate to wounds in this game, but also not really. So there are five conditions total, each one having a negative impact to you. Anytime you would take like serious harm, what you would do is you would mark a condition instead. You don't really track like hit points or anything like that. It's more about the emotional impact of things that happen around you is what this game focuses on. So the five conditions are angry, um, which will give you a minus two penalty to the figure out a person move. Frightened, which gives you a minus two penalty to the fight move. Guilty gives you a minus two penalty to the emotional support move. Hopeless gives you a minus two penalty to the defy disaster move. And Insecure gives you the minus two penalty to the Entice move. If you have all five of these and you take another condition, you are out for the rest of the scene. You either, like, kind of break down or you get knocked out or something happens like that, but you are just out of the rest of the scene once you have all five conditions and you have to take another one. This is really cool so far. Like, I'm really, really liking how different this is. I, I just build up all these conditions gets to a point where it's utterly debilitating regardless of anything like HP. You're just kind of... There is no HP. Yep, there's no HP. So, like, it's 
Say you take a, a major, like, you, you somebody's fighting against you and you get smacked real hard. Wait, uh, wouldn't it be a certain number of wounds? No, that's no, conditions. It's all conditions. So, like, it's you're not tracking the physical condition of your character in this game. Like, there is no threat of death in this game. What it is is it's tracking emotional impact. So, like, say you're in a sword fight with the big boss bad boy and he gives you a, a really gruesome scar across the chest and you would take a condition. It's you're not taking like a oh this is the physical condition I'm in, but like how that made you feel in that moment and how that's affecting you, how that's debilitating you in the moment. So you might get angry that you've been given been given this scar, that you're not gonna try and figure him out. You're not gonna try and see eye to eye with him anymore. You're not gonna try and make it so that you can have any kind of compromise. Now you're pissed off and you're just gonna try and hurt him, or you could feel frightened, and now fighting becomes harder because you're scared shitless at this person who just kind of beat the shit out of you it's more mental health versus physical health yeah Uh, and battle yeah this game does put also a lot of emphasis on like mental health and how that affects people so that's yeah it's a good point it's a good point kind of neat clearing conditions is also different because it's not an hp thing nobody's gonna like run up and bandage you up and like oh now i'm feeling all better um Emotional support is an action you can t- you can take to like one of your fellow players or an NPC or something. Uh, and if you do well, they can choose to clear a condition. Um, and um, they can clear conditions on their own by like lashing out. Like uh, if you're angry, like if you break something important to you or something important to someone you care about, that will clear the angry condition because you lashed out and you got it out of your system. Maybe you feel bad about it later. But you did the thing. You got it out of your system, and now the anger condition's could, gone. Could that potentially come at a cost causing a condition for somebody else because it was maybe damaging to them? Theoretically, yes. But the destructive actions that allow you to clear conditions, you can't take them whenever you want. They have to happen at the end of a scene. Mm-hmm. In terms of NPCs, the conditions do kind of act like uh, HP. Where, you know, like weak NPCs, like the moment they take a condition, they're out of the fight. Some stronger ones may have two or three. Some of the strongest may have five, like the player characters do. Um, And because they're NPCs and they're maybe not as important, or maybe they're a villain or something, somebody you're fighting against, uh, if they do take enough conditions to go down, that could mean you killed them. Yay. Serves them right. (laughs) There is a mechanic in this game, also, called Strings. And strings kind of represent your influence over another person. If you've got a string on a PC, that means you know something or can do something that kind of gives you influence, kind of moves them to move in the direction that you want them to rather than them just doing whatever they want to do. Um, A lot of actions, if they're successful, will give you strings. Um, There can be impactful role-play moments that will give you strings, that kind of thing. Uh, I think... One of the big things you can do uh, to get strings is the figure out a person move where you're trying to like watch their movements, figure a person out like in the heat of combat or like during debate or something like you're trying to figure them out and you get through that action some kind of insight that gives you a string on somebody. And then when you have strings, you can use a move called influence with a string, which will describe how you use that insight, how you use that influence to move a person into doing something you want them to do. Okay. Yeah, it's like the heartstrings and manipulating a person. Yeah. Now the heartstrings. 
a person's, you can try, you can move, you can try to make the move to influence a person with a string. But if they say no, they don't have to do it. Like, it's not like, oh, I have this, and now this is what, I, this is what you're doing. Like, if another player says no, then they say no, and that's it. I like that. You're not taking agency away. If you gain four strings on somebody, you have profound insight, and you learn something about them that even they don't know. Uh, the player will tell you what you learn, possibly asking the GM for ideas, and it's up to you whether you share that insight with the character or not. In addition, you will clear but all but one of your strings on them and gain two XP. Oh, nice. Game would redefine the phrase, no strings attached. <laughs> Each session, the GM will also gain a number of generic strings equal to the number of players, and they can use these generic strings to influence the PCs the same way that the PCs would use them to influence each other or the NPCs or whatever, but they are not um, tied to a specific person. Like, I could have five strings in total, but if there's five other players at the table, I only have one string on each of these people individually, and that doesn't count towards, like, having four or the total number. Like, it's, you have strings for specific characters, not... I gained a string from this person. I'm going to use it somewhere over here. Okay. So the players, um, we've talked about getting EXP through um, downbeats, rolling a six or lower, also getting uh, string advances and stuff like that. Once APC has five experience points, which <laughs> with bad rollers can happen a lot more often than you'd think, you can take an advance, which means you can take more moves from your own playbook. Um, once you have enough of those, you can start taking advances from other playbooks. Um, and you can, even after a certain point, switch playbooks, have the same character, but then get an entirely different set of moves. Whereas you will only keep like one move from your original playbook to, to denote your experience with that, but then you start moving down an entirely different set of skills and abilities. Interesting. So you're not really locked into one thing forever. Nope. Um, and like increasing stats is a thing you could do. Um, and even like if you feel like the character has kind of lived out its life and you're ready to play something new, one of the advances you can take is live happily ever after. And the, the character goes on to greener pastures. You describe what they do with their life, how they've grown emotionally, like what it is that makes them happy and what they're doing. And that character is just, off having a good time from that point onward. Oh, that's really sweet. I want my guy to be like, and he became a complete shit human. <laughs> he just became real garbage. That's yeah. all he ever really wanted to be. Genuine <laughs> vile filth. I think the point is for you to not be that. Oh, but what if you want to go the villain route? Kind of. There's actually a uh, a playbook for that. See, you can be a villain all legal. You don't have to wait to get your happily ever after to be a villain. <clears throat> happily ever after for him, not for anyone else. Well, that's a true I villain. never made a, any sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're going to go on to some of the moves you can take as a character. Show me your moves. Show me your moves. The most obvious move Ooh. is fight. 
when you are seeking to incapacitate someone with violence, you fight. And you can roll either plus daring or plus grace, depending on how your character fights. On a 7 to 9, a mixed beat, you will choose two options from a list down below, and your opponent will choose one. You can flirt with or provoke your opponent to gain a string on them. You can, through violence or cutting words, inflict a condition. Create an opportunity for an ally through prowess or distraction. Or take an object from your opponent or seize a superior position. So you would choose two of those, and your opponent would choose one on a mixed beat. On an upbeat, you would choose three, and your opponent chooses one. The thing to note here is whenever you fight with an opponent, they will always choose one. Meaning, you're never going in and just straight bullying somebody. They're always going to get something back at you in return. You're definitely going to have the upper hand, but they're fighting back. I like this. Just real life. Exactly. Cover the cost. Defy disaster. When you push your limits to achieve something extraordinary that's not covered by another move or to avert an imminent danger to yourself or someone else, say what you're willing to sacrifice and pick your approach. If you want to do it with might, endurance, or courage, you will roll plus daring. With swiftness or elegance, plus grace. With charm or social insight, plus heart. Cleverness or knowledge, plus wit. Or willpower or metaphysical skill, plus spirit. On an upbeat, you do it with style. At the GM's discretion, you may also learn new information, discover a new opportunity, or gain a string on somebody. On a mixed beat, the GM will offer you a hard choice or success with a sacrifice. Sacrifice. Oh, you have to give up your sandwich, the ultimate snackrifice. My sandwich! Staggering is a reactive move. When you suffer a staggering physical or emotional blow, choose an option from the following based on the number of conditions you have marked. If you have zero to three conditions, you, will, you can lash out at someone whose regard matters to you, provoke them to do something foolish or harmful, and take advantage of a string on them if you have one. Hesitate or stumble and the opposition gains an opportunity, or you grin and bear the blow and mark two conditions. If you have four to five conditions, you can be rendered helpless for the scene, be utterly humiliated and news will spread. This could be a consequence of a setback in the confrontation or might be caused by something you confess in the heat of the moment, or choose two from the zero to three conditions options. But this only happens whenever something seriously deals either a physical or an emotional blow to the character. Now there are heartstring moves, things that happen during emotional moments rather than conflict. I accidentally made a little farty noise with my lip there. Entice. When you appeal to someone's physical or emotional sensibilities, roll plus heart. On a mixed beat, you gain a string on them unless they decide instead to choose one. They can get flustered and awkward. They can promise something they think you want, or they can give in to desire. And an upbeat, ten or higher, you gain a string on them, and they choose one. Ooh. This is how you get information. This is how you, you seduce. This is how you, you make the smoochies. Mm. Sire. Rawr, XP. Don't. You <laughs> figure out a person. Ten. When you try and understand a person, roll plus wit. Plus three if you spend a string on them to figure out a person. 
On a mixed beat, you may ask two questions, but they may ask one of you. What are your feelings towards blank? What do you hope to get from blank? How could I get you to blank? What do you love most? And how would you feel if I blank? On an upbeat, you can ask two questions, either now or later in the scene, and they get none. None at all. These, these questions have to be answered completely honestly. You cannot lie about them. You can't uh, double talk and cheat your way through it. Like the, Whenever you get information from figure out a person or one of these kinds of moves, the question is always answered truthfully. Very nice. Big important. Influence with a string. At any time, spend a string on someone to do one of the following. Offer them an XP to do something. Don't spend the string if they refuse the temptation. Find out what it will take to get them to do what you want. Add one to your roll against them. You can do this after rolling. Or add or subtract one from any roll they make after rolling. Meaning, if you have a string on the villain, you could subtract one from the roll. But if you got a string on a friend, you could add one to the roll. Good stuff. Ow, my hand. Probably didn't hear that bang, but that hurt. Aww. Becoming smitten with someone. Ooh. Desire. When you become smitten with someone, and it's always your choice when this happens, say why, give them a string on you, and answer the question in the Truth of Heart and Blade section of your playbook. For the Beast playbook, Blades? yes, the Truth of Heart and Blade is craziness. We will get there in a moment. Um... For the beast, it's what have you done? You know what? We'll we'll actually go through the playbooks later. Um, the final move is kiss in a dangerous situation. Kiss of death. When people finally kiss after a period of tension, each takes plus one ongoing to get to safety and protect the, each other for the rest of the scene. If more than two people finally kiss in these circumstances, they all get the bonus, and each participant must be enthusiastic about it to trigger this action. So, like, if you kiss somebody and they're like, what the fuck? Doesn't work. Backfires a little bit. Recovery moves. Emotional support. When you offer someone support in a way that could be meaningful to them, you roll plus heart or plus spirit. You can add plus three more if you have a string on them. On a mixed beat, if they open up to you, you choose one. Clear a condition. Mark XP. Plus one forward or gain insight from the GM about an obstacle facing one of you. On an upbeat, if they open up to you, they choose one, and you either choose one or take a string on them. So out of those four options mentioned earlier. Hmm. Special moves. Call on a toxic power. When you parlay with a toxic power, ask your question and roll plus spirit. On a mixed beat, it answers the question and the GM chooses one. It takes something from you, either knowledge, reputation, or something physical. You mark a condition, or it gains a string on you. On an upbeat, it answers the question and grants you plus one forward to act on the information. At the end of the session, each player marks an XP if during the session they confess their love, they struck a blow against oppression or de-escalated a violent situation, they leapt into danger with daring and panache, they at and it, uh, <laughs> they remember how to speak words. <laughs> Word vomit. <laughs> <laughs> 
any player used a safety practice such as adding to the pallet or checking in. Now, don't, now that I I encourage you to use these safety tools if you feel they're necessary. Do not abuse them for XP. That's how you get kicked out of the table. Need an emotional field medic, Doctor Phil. Don't. Doctor Phil's a terrible person. Absolutely. I agree. Making characters, making characters is easy peasy. Takes minutes. Takes nothing to make characters. Easy. Step one, you choose a playbook. Step two, you fill out the prompts, pick your abilities, define their look, name, and pronouns. <coughs> Step three, you cough. Uh, introduce your character to the other players, reveal enough of their inner conflict for the other players to understand what you're hoping to explore. And four, use the relationship worksheet to flesh out some history between the NPCs. Or between the PCs, rather. This is kind of like, I like this. I like whenever, like the, uh, what's it called? The, um, 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 the emotion matrix in Tenra. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you forgot step five, Dylan. And Optimus Prime is your dad. <laughs> Every character in this entire session is Bumblebee. <sighs> so... Choosing a playbook, that's obvious. Like, you choose what, which one is kind of like... Playbooks are kind of like a class, but they also give you some background stuff. So they're kind of a class, kind of like a character core in a little bit. Filling it out is you're going to choose your name, you're going to choose your pronouns, uh, and any pronouns are valid. You can... So this game does place some, like, hey, we're the heroes and we're thirsty sword lesbians. So, like, we're all lesbians or we're all trans. But, like, that, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You can just be straight person if you want it's not saying no to just being whatever the hell you want to be it doesn't it's matter all as inclusive. Long as, yeah it if it, it fits the only thing that honestly irks me about this system is like there's a, a couple of um kind of pre-made settings in the back and one of them uses the cisgendered heterosexual population as a force of evil and that's like the one thing in this book. It's like, oh, maybe not do that. <laughs> because that's what I am, and I don't hate you. I just want to be buds. Yes. I don't want to be a bad guy. <laughs> We're not all assholes. But I, I can definitely understand where they're coming from as well, because those are the people who are going to give them guff. Is Absolutely. Heteronormative conservatives. Also known as Republicans. I was just thinking that. <laughs> Take that. Where do you um, want me to take it to? Um, to the garbage dump. Okay. All that junk inside your trunk. I'm gonna get 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 you drunk. <laughs> I can't right now. I'm on new medication. Right. So you, you specify your character's name, their pronouns, and all that good stuff. You choose a column of stats. So what what it means there is in each playbook there are two stat arrays pre-made. You pick which one you like the most out of those two. And then you will take two stats of your choice in that array and add plus one to them. And you record the totals in your stats column. That's actually pretty cool. Then you will choose an item, one each from the aesthetics categories, kind of defining the general look of your character from an aesthetic, like not in specifics, not details, but kind of like their general aesthetic. Uh-huh. And then you kind of uh, read over your playbook's general rules, and you like make decisions as you need to. And uh, you your playbook will generally have some pre-selected moves, and you just mark those in. And from that point on, you're just ready to go. You just march. You just 
just get moving. You're playing the game now. You've got your character done. And that takes like five, ten minutes. Okay. Um, introducing people, you know, relationships. There's like specific prompts. There's like a whole relationship worksheet that you guys can fill out. But generally, everyone uh, in the group, their characters know each other to some degree. You don't necessarily have to be best friends, but everybody knows everybody. There are the playbooks. The Beast. The Beast follows their truth and their passions, which puts them in conflict with civilization and civilized norms. Unless they give up what makes them special and powerful, they cannot make themselves acceptable to that civilized society. Their central conflict is living their truth versus fitting in with a dominant social order. The big thing about the Beast is they have a feral meter. Um, your feral score starts at 1 and can, goes all the way up to 4. And it can be at 0, but it starts at 1. So it goes from 0 to 4. If you hit 4, you cannot control your beast any longer, and you transform into a beast mode. You go werewolf or werecat or straight up, like, horror, terror, demon, whatever it is, but you transform. You are no nice. longer a normal person. You increase your feralness when you express yourself in a shocking way through your appearance, or you display intense emotion that society wants you to conceal. You decrease your feral when you feel that your bestial nature has hurt someone you care about, or you go along with an uncomfortable interaction to fit in. Their starting playbook move is Transform. You have a bestial form which you can assume at will and must assume whenever your feral hits 4. When you do, tell everyone what the beast in you looks like, increase your feral to 4 if it's not there already, and roll plus daring. On a mixed beat, you choose one. You are in harmony with your beast and may clear a condition. You are magnificent and little escapes your notice. You gain leverage or an opportunity with a monster. Pain is nothing to you. Ignore the next time you would stagger while transformed. Or you can move in ways no ordinary person could. If you get an upbeat 10+, plus, you choose 2. You revert to your usual form when your feral drops below 4. While transformed, you may mark a condition to avoid reducing your feral as often as you like. In their Truths of Heart and Blade, they have Smitten Kitten. When you become smitten with someone, you say why, give them a string, and answer this question. What have you done that you are sure they view as inappropriate? The bloody truth. What? I said interesting. Oh, I thought you said trust them. I was like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> this is already getting tense. We're not even playing the game. Uh, the <laughs> bloody truth. When you figure out a person in physical conflict, you may additionally ask one of these questions, even on A6 or below. What awakens the beast inside you, or how could I get you to kiss me? <laughs> Those are not the same thing. They are not. <laughs> they could be. <laughs> Who knows? That sounded like an Aaron thing at the end there. Like, how mm. can I get you to kiss me? How can I get a little kiss? <laughs> spider spider punch. Spider kick, spark kiss. <laughs> that upward inflection. <laughs> the Chosen. Chosen playbook revolves around special status, relationships across social strata, and the crushing expectations of fate, family, or the adoring public. Their central conflict is inner truth versus crushing social expectations. The Chosen has a destiny. Everyone keeps telling you you have a destiny, but it's not what your heart truly desires. What is what your heart truly desires? Your destiny examples could be marry the prince of heteronormia. <laughs> Be sacrificed. I want to eat a delicious sacrifice. Be sacrificed to appease the horror, which I don't know if either of you are Germa fans. Germa? Yeah. 
But there's like this whole thing, like the, like an in joke about peeping the horror, and this always reminds me of that. I'll I'll bring it up after the podcast is over. Um, All right. Banish magic from the world, or melt the heart of the undying one. You will choose two heroic aspects and two tragic aspects from the lists down below. I'm not going to go through them because there's like 15 in each one. Um, when you act in accordance with one of your aspects, whether heroic or tragic, you take plus one forward. If it's a tragic as aspect, also mark XP. When all four aspects are checked off, describe how your destiny grows ever nearer, then erase the check marks and begin again. Interesting. Man, I'm getting so many hardcore Skywalker vibes here. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Yeah! Hey, yeah! Anyway, playbook moves. <laughs> the one you start with. <laughs> the faded day approaches. Whenever you miss an opportunity to make progress towards your destiny, choose one. Someone with power over you makes an uncomfortable demand in furtherance of your destiny, backed by a threat. Or... The PC you care about the most receives bad news or has an accident serious enough to make them stagger. Oof. The truth of heart and blade is love is not my destiny. When you become smitten with someone, say why, give them a string and answer the question, how do our respective stations make it impossible to be together? Aww. <laughs> Inescapable conclusions. When you figure out a person during a physical conflict, you may ask one additional question from the list, even on a six or lower. What do you hope for your future? Or what do you fear is your destiny? This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I'm loving this. It's fun to think, like, this, this game's going to make you feel things. And I like feeling things. Like a thirsty lesbian on your sword. I don't know that a lesbian would be on my sword. Thirsty or not. I mean, if you're fighting and you're using a blade and you're using a weapon, she could get impaled. Stuff happens in combat. I mean, I'm also fairly unathletic, and I'm pretty sure most people on this planet could kick my ass. You'd be a character. Not, I mean, you didn't try you. fight a knight, so, you know, you'll never find out. I thought about it. Dude. I was As we were walking <laughs> past, like, the, the, the big thing with all the foam weapons, the dude looked at me and went, You, your very existence offends me! And <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's just an average day for me, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's normal. <laughs> it's like, this is every day at the gas station, bro. Oh, uh, yeah. The Devoted is a selfless protector committed to a person or a cause. Their central conflict lies in pitting this devotion against self-care. You will choose a devotion from the list or invent your own. Katarina, please knock that off. You can be devoted to a cause, freedom, vengeance, justice, love, or the gay agenda. To a person, a PC, a liege, or an idol. Or to a higher power, a god, a sexy dragon, or a sentient planet. I'm devoted to sexy dragons, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm loving this. You just slayed Jenny. They start with last stand. When you face a superior foe on behalf of your devotion, you may roll plus conditions, the number of conditions you have marked, instead of the normal stat to fight or defy disaster that's about to befall someone else. And what's best for them? When, you, when you're smitten with someone, you may treat them as a subject of your devotion. Also, when you take an action to help them be romantic with someone other than you, you mark XP, and they get fanatical self-sacrifice. You may mark a condition, condition to prevent a condition from being inflicted on another. When you do, mark XP, and you may only clear that condition by taking the associated destructive action. Mark it with an asterisk to remind yourself. 
Also, your conditions only cause a minus one penalty to the associated moves instead of a minus two. The truths of heart and blade. My heart is not mine to give. When you become smitten with someone, say why, give them a string, and answer the question, how does pursuing them conflict with your devotion? And what will you fight for? When you figure out a person during physical conflict, you may additionally ask one of these questions, even on a six or lower. What are you willing to risk death for, and what kind of deeds, deeds earn your loyalty? Now, this has been fun and all, and we will probably um, come back to this one, because I would like to go over the rest of these playbooks, but we are about 15 minutes over our time anyway. Yep, oh. yep, that we are. We've been going, so uh, we'll, we'll come back to this one next week. We'll finish out the playbooks, and we'll talk about some of the uh, final concepts and stuff. Uh, do you guys have any closing statements for this week's episode? I would really like to play this game someday. It's very fascinating, and it's different in every way. And I like that. See, I want to play this game dragon too. chosen one fights for the gay agenda. They do, though. Um, you know what? I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to have to stall because I forgot to open up the, the list and stuff. You know what? I don't even need to. We're going to be continuing uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians again next week. So that's what we're going to yep. do next week is we're going to finish up this. Um, I got into this. I didn't realize we had spent so much time on this already. <laughs> yeah, man. You're like but, 40K thirsting on this. It's it's a very interesting system. I haven't quite finished the book yet, but I mean, like for thirty bucks, this has been a very interesting read. Like it 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 pulled me out of that vampire the masquerade funk I was in, where I was doing nothing but simping vampires for like three weeks. You were we were part of that funk. Absolutely, uh, you were. I'm still trying to find time to get with Cassandra so we can uh, make her character and get that started finally. Because I really, I actually really do want to play vampire. Uh, I, I, the Sunday game I do with my local group, we played a few uh, sessions of it, and we had a really good time. Very fun. So we'll try and get to that eventually. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Thank socials. you. Socials, socials. Facebook.com slash D20Dudes, if you are one of the few people who still uses Facebook. Twitter.com slash D20Dudes or at D20Dudes on Twitter. And we have a Discord link down in the description if you would like to come harangue us. Because we are people who are easily harangued. Like a harangatang. <laughs> the harangatang sounds like a boss in like a, like a Mario game or something. It definitely is. Eventually. Miyamoto make it. <laughs> Get on it, Miyamoto. Who definitely listens to this American podcast. Oh, absolutely. Don't you know everybody listens? It We're just gonna doesn't rename show it up. American Pie. <laughs> it's like the podcast analytics. Your uh your primary audience is like eighty percent Americans, uh ten percent uh UK. Fucking five percent Germans, point one percent Shigeru Miyamoto specifically. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so thank you everyone for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Farewell. Bye. 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 Bye.